We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 31 and just have a, a real brief study for you tonight because we want to get to those cookies. I wonder if there's anyone here who got chocolate for Valentine's Day. Anyone here did get some? Awesome. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, it was John Cadbury of Birmingham, England, who was credited with creating special chocolate treats for Valentine's Day. And then apparently his son Richard came up with the idea of a heart-shaped box to put them in. We have a heart-shaped box out there uh, for our cookies. Anyways, did you guys know that uh, more than $4 billion in Valentine's uh, chocolates are sold uh, for Valentine's Day? To me, that's a trip. Um, 145 million Valentine's cards will be sent out. Uh, 85% of those cards are purchased by women. I just have to tell you that. Um, and uh, as far as Valentine's Day, uh, yeah, flowers are good. We're going to see. We'll talk about that. But uh, from what I understand, $6.4 billion will be spent on jewelry. So is there anyone here who got jewelry for Valentine's Day? No, not. Yet, you never know, the day's not over. <laughs> they say 27% of the people uh, buy Valentine's gifts for their pets. Can you believe that? And then $2.6 billion on roses or flowers, I should say. And this is interesting. Who gets the most Valentine's cards? You know who it is? It's teachers. And I thought I would just share that. I don't know why. But um, anyways, here in Jeremiah chapter 31... Notice what we read in verse 1. It says, At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Today, I want to share just real briefly on this everlasting love, you know, that we have. Uh, for me, the, the day's kind of been a struggle, Lord. I don't want it to be like ambiguous, Lord. I don't want it to be just like Christian cliche, you know, Jesus loves you. Lord, I really want to soak it in. I really want to experience this. I want to saturate this into my heart because I really believe that that's what changes everything. When an individual comes to that understanding, when it sinks in that, that God really loves us with this kind of love, with an everlasting love, that's what changes everything. And, and Lord, that's what I need. You know, I, I love what we read here. And the context, basically, you guys probably know Jeremiah, you know, I mean, God's going to discipline his people. They're going to be going through some very difficult times. But it's during those difficult times where they need to know that God is still loves them. It's an everlasting love and that God would eventually in time restore them. And so uh, for me, reading this right here, it's so important. You know, I remember, and I think I've shared this with you guys before. Um, basically, my whole life, you know, what's the struggle? Why the drugs? You know, why do you go this route? Why are you hanging out with these people? 
What about her? What about the sex before marriage? What is all that about? It's a quest for love. You know, your whole life, you're, you're searching for love. And, and you know, you, I don't know, you're looking for it in all the wrong places, I guess you could say. And, you know, thank God for the individuals that God does bring into our life. And some of you here, maybe not all of you, but some of you here can honestly say, you know what, I can point to this family member and that family member and, you know, these people over here who genuinely loved me. But even their love, is not sufficient. You know, on Valentine's Day, we need to know that it's only the love of God that can satisfy. It's only the love of God that can quench this thirst that we have. This vacuum that we have inside of us is is a cry for the love of God. You know, I, I remember, um, you know, and I, and I hesitate to say this, you know, because um, when you think about the whole love relationship, have you ever loved somebody? And they didn't love you back. Has that ever happened to you? I think for most of us here it probably has. Uh, To me, when I think of God's love and I think of the way that he loves the world, I think the way that he loves me even and how my love for him falls short, you know, it it can be a struggle. It it really can. I, I, I just, you know, read this right here and I think, okay, Lord, your love is everlasting. But Lord, help me to enter into this love. Right here in Jeremiah, he says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And I, and I think it's interesting the way the King James puts it, um, The Lord has appeared of old to me. You know, what does it mean by old? The Lord has appeared of old to me. Now, the NIV makes it past tense. It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you. But another translation makes it in the future. It's interesting. It says, in the far off land, the Lord will manifest himself to them. He will say to them, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so, which is it, past or present? Or is it future? And I know for those of you guys, um, you're Bible students, right? God's love, is it past? Or is it future? Or is it present? It's always, right? It's outside of time. Of course, we know that God's love is past, present, and future. As a matter of fact, God's love, this is an interesting thing, is forever past and forever future. This would be good for Israel to know as Jeremiah is writing to them here in the difficult times. And this is going to be good for all of us to know. Because here I am, it's February 14, 2024. And I don't know, man. I I don't know. You guys be honest. Like, are are you feeling it? Are Are you feeling the love? Some of you are. Some of you are by God's grace. But maybe some of you aren't. You know, and when you read something like this, God is just saying, hey, it has to go beyond the feelings you have to know that this is just a fact, that you have to accept this by faith, that that, that sun that's shining is an expression of God's love, that, that world that's spinning is an expression of God's love, that heart that's beating is an expression of God's love, that cross of Calvary, that's the ultimate expression of God's love. You know, we're going to go through hard times. Uh, Sometimes it seems that God is absent. 
You know, sometimes it seems like God is silent. But what we have to understand is that as Jeremiah writes here, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is that past, present, future, no matter what we're going through in life, we have to understand the love of God is real. You know, we should be able to say it because it's interesting here how in the book of Jeremiah, God is saying this. You know, notice again in verse 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, he's saying this, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know, I don't know, uh, husbands, uh, have you guys ever said this to your wife? I know sometimes I say it to my wife, Shelly. I say, babe, um, I, I, I love you. I always have and I always will. And I think that that's kind of what the Lord is saying here through, through Jeremiah. I, I, I love you, Israel. I love you. My people, I love you. My bride, I love you. I always have. And I always will. That's what he's saying right here when he says the Lord has appeared of old to me. Saying, yes, I have loved you with this everlasting love. You know, the enemy says, no, God doesn't love you. Can't you see what you're going through? You know, you just lost your job. Or you just got diagnosed with this. Or the doctor said that. Or there's the different things that take place in life, all the calamities, all the tragedies, all the questions we look around in the world that we live in today. And people would question the love of God. But I like what Jeremiah says right here. He says, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes. They say, no, God says, yes, I do love you. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You know, what do you, what do you do with that when God says, I love you? You know, what do you do with that? What will we say to that? You know, it's interesting. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 37, it tells us that love was the basis of God's choosing Israel. It says, and because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. Now, when you read Ezekiel 16, there was really nothing that was per se, you know, about them that that drew uh, God's favor. But it was just God's volitional choice to, to love on them. One person said this, this statement was spoken to Israel, but the love it describes is God's love for every believer. You must go back beyond your birth, beyond Calvary and Bethlehem, beyond the fall of man, the Garden of Eden. And as you stand looking out into the immensity of eternity, dare to believe that you were loved and chosen in Christ, the object of God's most tender pity. That's F.B. Meyer. He said that. It's a beautiful quote to think that that's how it all started. It started with God's love in choosing us now i have shared this with you guys before but i I don't know you guys remember growing up right um when someone liked you maybe you were in the third grade you remember that girl who liked you i remember i was out there playing kickball and uh you know i I was taller back then and everything different things right and so i remember man they brought this girl out to me and she's the you know i don't know if she was cooperating with them, but they were dragging her out to me, you know, basically and saying, hey, Katie likes you, this little girl. And, um, you know, so anyways, 
once the girl, once you find out the girl likes you, now you've got a choice, right? Well, do you, are you going to like him back, right? And, and it's kind of like that, you know, with the Lord. It's like, uh, it's, uh, how long have you, has, has she liked you? Forever. Forever. For all eternity, this God, this divine God has loved you. Not just liked you. He's loved you. He's loved you with an everlasting love. Oh, but my life says no. But God says yes. Right, right. We read this right here. The, the Lord has appeared of old to me, past, present, future, saying, yes, I have loved you for how long? How long have you loved me, Lord? I've loved you forever. When you look back in time and, you know, the vanishing point, And again, for us, it just kind of blows fuses. But that's how long God has loved us it's an everlasting love and so now what do you do with this what do you do with this love you know for us i think it's important for us to understand that we have a decision to make because this is the the love that that god has and that he would choose us and this is the love that he has and and this is how he keeps us in deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 8 it says but because the lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so the, the way that it works, and if you put it all together, it's a really interesting thing. Because the first one in which God says, I, I chose you, I love you, and I chose you, that's where it starts. That's a relationship where it starts. But then it's where in that love that keeps us, that's where the relationship should grow. A lot of us here, you know, we, we think about the fact that, you know, we've responded to God's love. You know, we got saved. But the big question for me anyways, and I don't know where you guys are in all this, but has my love grown over all these years? You know, I've been a Christian since 1989, you know, um, you know, 35 years almost, right? And, um, you know, when I, when I think about all these years of serving the Lord, and, and so, Manny, you did it. Manny, you're, I'm so proud of you. Manny, you must have, how did you, you know, survive all these years? It wasn't me. I mean, I have to say, we read right here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8, that, that he kept his oath. It was God who's kept me all these years. I mean, I know I could talk to many Christian couples here. How many of you guys that are married would say that you probably still wouldn't be married if it weren't for the Lord, right? We know that for a fact. But God has been the one to keep us. And you know what that does to me? It makes me love him. It, it draws me to love him. It should anyways, more. And, and that's why as we go through this and just a, a couple of things I want to share with you, um, I, I love the way that this is a divine love, but I love also the way that it's a drawing love. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Drawn you where? 
drawn you closer to myself. I've drawn you with this unfailing kindness. That's the the love that God has for us. David Guzik said, the loving kindness of God draws Israel. He does not force or compel them, but draws them in love and compassion. In the bigger picture of God's redemptive plan, we can say that God's kindness leads Israel to repentance in the time of Jacob's trouble. We know that's the big story for Israel. Eventually, they will come to the Lord. You know, maybe there's some of you here that have not yet surrendered to God's love. And, you know, you're hearing the message today. um, Yeah, God loves me. He sent his son, died on a cross, rose again. I understand that, but maybe it's going to take some crazy thing to happen in your life to where, you know, that you'll finally, you know, bow your knees and confess with your tongue, open your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it would take for Israel. And then what we see right here is that that a lot of times that's what it takes, the loving kindness of God. Spurgeon said the master magnet of the gospel is not fear, but love. Penitents are drawn to Christ rather than driven. And I trip out on my life, to be honest, you guys. I trip out on how all these years, through all my failures, through all my sins, through all my mistakes, and I, you know, believe you me, I'm almost as bad as you guys. I'm just joking. I'm just as bad as you guys, man. You know, um, his love has not changed. His love has not faded. His love has been perpetual. His love has been everlasting. His love has been constant. You know, his love has never, ever faded in the least bit in spite of me. But Manny, now you know so much. And now you read all these verses and you teach all these studies and all these things that are going on in your life. You should have it all together now. And you, and you still fail. Yes, I do, Lord. And you still love me. It hasn't changed. See, and when these things begin to just sink in, It doesn't drive me to love him. You know, cattle are driven, sheep are led. It draws me to love him back. And this is what we see that God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. I love the passage over in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 4. It says, I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. You know, how how does this happen? How does this happen? How will God change our life? I believe it is through this understanding of his unchanging, unfailing, gentle kindness and love that we can never change. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we love him Because he first loved us. And that's kind of what we need to start with. You know, I was thinking about that passage over in the book of Romans. And I was wondering if you could turn there to Romans chapter 8. And look what it says in verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35, 
It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know, when, when Paul here is writing and he's talking about, you know, this love that, you know, who can separate us from, from the love? And he starts thinking about all the calamities and tragedies and things that can happen to us in life, you know. Um, the, the tribulation, distress, the persecution. Think about it. Having no food, having no clothes, the dangers, the, um, even dying, it says. Even being tortured in verse 36. It says, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know, and you, and you look at that and you think, well, there's an individual, apparently God doesn't love them because look at what they're going through. But look what Paul says in verse 37, yet in all these things, we are not just conquerors, but we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers. Now we're talking about demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Imagine that. Here we are tonight, and I'm not sure how it's going in your life. I, if you were to write your story, your life story, is this how you would have written it? Is this how it would go for you and your family and just all the, the different details that you hopefully hoped or chronicled or whatever that was? And, you know, uh, believe it or not, sometimes because of the fact that it hasn't all panned out, we can get disillusioned and then the enemy can chip away and say, you know what? God doesn't really love you. He doesn't really love you. You would never, ever say that. You would never say that. But it's taken its toll. Because if everything went perfect, just as you would have, you know, this is the way it should be, then there you would be in our human nature. Just, just uh, you know, there's no doubt God loves me because look at what I have. Look at how my, I got my perfect family and just the perfect life and all the money or whatever it might be. And, you know, there you are. And it, and it, it just kind of changes your, your response. But then, but then that's not us. You know, we're over here and, you know, we're just living paycheck to paycheck. We're over here and our bodies are breaking down. We're over here and our kids are over there and all these different questions that we have. And then, so let me ask you a question. As you're in that situation, as you're there in a life that you probably wouldn't have chosen to go just like that, let me ask you a question. Are you thoroughly convinced that you are in the love of God. Because that, that's very, that's very, very important. Here I am. I've made many mistakes, but God loves me. Here I am. And my life, uh, it, from all the world's perspective, they probably wouldn't define me as a success. But I know 
God thoroughly loves me with an everlasting love. Here I am, you know, and I've gone through these things. This, you know, I'm like a sheep with the slaughter and there's demons and there's these spiritual, you know, battles that are going on. And I'll tell you what, you know, people have died. But I know. God loves me because as I'm reading Romans, as I'm reading Jeremiah, and as I'm reading the Gospels, I'm reading my Bible because the whole book is really a love letter that God has for me, then I, I, I know God loves me. I don't know about you, but I know he loves me. He loves me as if I'm the only one to love. He loves me like the Amazon River flowing down to water a daisy. He loves me that way. What what can you do to a person who is thoroughly convinced that God loves them in such a way? You know, you have people, unfortunately, they struggle because of the fact that they don't like the way things are panning out. But when you understand, hey, it's all part of God's plan. Then it begins to change us. And, 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 and back in Jeremiah, a couple of things I want to close with. Because, you know, when it comes to Valentine's Day, I, I would have to say that it takes two to tangle. It does take two. So, so number one, in, in, here in the book of Jeremiah, I think we definitely see the eternal love of God. Right, The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so, you know, eternity past, eternity future. I mean, we're talking about filling up the present with this eternal love. Number two, and this is probably not a good word, but I'll just use it. It's a durable love. It's a durable love. And by that, I mean that we fail, but God keeps on loving us. Right, it just it just works through all that, you know, kind of like our kids and things happen, but we still love them, right? And so there's this eternal love, there's this durable love, but then number three, if I could just share this with you guys, it has to be a mutual love. It has to be. Now, don't think that our love is the same as His love. All I'm saying is that we we should love Him back first john four nineteen says we love him because he first loved us and that's the way relationships work right the lord and even in you know restoring peter do you love me right romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good to those who love god and are the called according to his purpose so maybe here on valentine's day um not only would it be a day of saying hey Kay, I, I'm discovering in a, a, a fresh way the way that God loves me, you know, through my ups and downs. Um, he's loved me forever in such a way. I mean, there's an aspect where we're discovering his love for us. It's a durable love that's loved me through all my mishaps. But um, then I have to examine my life. Lord, do I really love you? Do I really love you? And the Bible talks about how if we love him, we'll keep his commandments, right? And so there is this Valentine's mutual love that 
you know, we have to have, because you guys know how it is, if it's only one-sided, that relationship is not going to go anywhere, right? God will pursue us, but there has to be that mutual love. So eternal, durable, mutual, and then if I could just use this last word, it is this word special love. It's a special love. And I'm going to share with you a difficult verse that some people probably don't like to talk about, but over in the book of Malachi, Malachi, chapter 1, look what it says in verse 2. It says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. And what's the Lord saying there? You know, sometimes you get these Calvinist people and they'll tell you, well, this is what the way it works. They'll tell you that here's Jacob and here's Esau. And God said, I'm going to save him, but not him. But that's not what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, if you read Romans chapter 9 and verse 13, Romans chapter 9, verse 32, it talks about Jacob, it talks about Esau, it talks about the same thing, but it says that the reason why these individuals were saved is because they sought it by faith. And so, um, Manny, so then what's he talking about? Well, when you read the story of Esau, it's a really interesting story. Remember, he had a birthright. Right, and so he was technically the the eldest, the firstborn, but he sold his birth birthright. Do you guys remember he sold it for a menudo? You guys remember that for the red stew? Right, he sold it. He despised it. He thought nothing of it. That was a decision that he made. It wasn't a decision that God made. It was a decision that he made. But God honored that, right? And so what ended up happening is that you know, uh, as a result of that. Um, he lost the birthright. Eventually, he lost the blessing. And this is a really interesting story when you read the book of Genesis chapter 35. But, but what God is coming back to is this, this special love. When he says, that Jacob, I have loved, and Esau, I have hated, what he's saying, and you have to understand it in the context of the culture, is that your love... Your love, God's love for you is, is a special love. It's kind of like my love for my wife. She's the one for me. She is the love of my life. You know, all others, I love my sisters. I love my brothers, whatever, other people out there. Some I'll never meet. It doesn't matter. There's only, there's only one love like this. And that's what God is saying. You are. You know, Jacob, I have loved Esau. And then those days, the way, you know, saying it hated, it just means that I, I love less, but there is no comparison. There is no comparison between the way that I love my church and all others. And see, when these things, when they begin to sink in, see, they will encourage us through the difficult times.
Because really in the context here of this verse, that's exactly what he is trying to do. There, you guys, you guys know, and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a prophet. You guys know I'm not a prophet, right? Right? But, but, but um, unless the Lord raptures the church, do you realize that you have crazy trials ahead of you? Do you guys, how many of you guys know that? Crazy trials ahead. Your body's going to start breaking down. How many of you guys' bodies are already breaking down? I'm just curious, you know? I mean, things, crazy things are going to happen. I don't know. Have you ever been socked in the face? Boom! That's what the devil's going to do. Okay? I don't know how it's going to happen. Things are going to happen. It's going to get crazy. The world that we live in is this crazy world. So, 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 so what are you going to do when things don't go your way? You're like, hey, Lord, by now I should have been married. I, I have my, 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 uh, the guy that invited me to church, okay, he's the guy that invited me to church. And so he was like the vessel that God used, right? I invited me to church. I went to church. I got saved. And we were like on cloud nine for, for a while. But you want to know what he did? He walked away from God because God didn't bring him a bride when he wanted. That Stuff like that happens. Stuff like that happens. That's why this is written so that when you go through those tough times, you know, we know, he loves me. It's an everlasting love. How long has he loved you? How long did you love me, babe? Since third grade, right? She loved me all those years, man. No, actually, she did. She liked me for a long time before I even met her. And I was like, well, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Just for a couple of years, but it's not that big of a deal. That's the way it is with God. He's always loved you. He always will. It'll never change. It's this amazing love, eternal love, durable love, mutual love, and special love. And I pray that that would just carry us through, you guys, all the difficulties.